Good morning, family. It's good to be back with you all this week. Uh, I have a confession before we start into this today. Uh, And I hope this iPad works. That's another confession. (laughs) It ain't going to. So I have to have Ken run the slides and hope I don't get lost. Uh, No, my confession is this... I was given this psalm a while back when we knew we were going to start this anxiety series and uh, and I've been reading through it since and and working through it um, but this this sermon more than any other that I've preached or planned has been one that God is still working on me with that God is has not delivered me from it in the way that I would have hoped by the time I reached you this morning. And so the words that I tell you today are words that are very much so still for me and that are still on my heart. Uh, uh, I'm still new to this pastoral ministry thing and uh, I've had a stressful couple of weeks with it. Uh, I've been busy and... uh, and then, of course, Matt and Andrew going to Georgia. They're saying things are going great, by the way, that they're, they have been in a service, uh, this morning, which would be evening over there, but, uh, with Iranian refugees and, and Georgians. And who would have thought that some boys from McQuady would tell people from Iran about Jesus? But the burden is still here, too, you know, uh, and I have felt that these past couple of weeks, not only just getting things together and trying to plan this, and uh, I booked a wedding for Penny Hobbs to play at it uh, back two months ago when I didn't have anything going on this weekend, and it all just fell in my lap. And then uh, just the struggles from from some of you, because I love you so much, that when you bury a child, I feel it. And I think about you. And I pray for you. And when your health diagnosis isn't what you want, I think about you and I pray for you. And when your marriage is struggling, I think about you and I pray for you. And it's it's been the heavy. But uh, this this week's message is is fitting for that, even though the Lord is is pulling me through that as we speak. And so today's title is Trust in God. It's a Psalm 56. Uh, this actually comes out of 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 22, 1. Uh, if you all know the story of, of David after he's um, he's been anointed by God, and he's won favor in the sight of Israel. He goes, First Samuel 21, he goes uh, on the run from Saul. Well, he's been on the run from Saul for a little before that, but this is the story where he meets up with Jonathan, and Jonathan doesn't know that his dad Saul is after, after David. And David says, he's after my life. He wants to kill me. And so this is the, the deal where... where uh, 
Jonathan goes and, and meets with his father at a festival and that his dad hosts a feast and and his dad gets mad and, and wants David's life and so he goes out and, and shoots arrows into the field and has the boy go fetch them so that David can hear this secret message that yes, Saul is after you, you must run. And so David's in a field and, and here's the message from Jonathan and he runs and and uh, he runs to a place called Gath. If you all remember Gath, that's where Goliath was from. So he runs out of Israel into Philistine territory. And he's trying to get out from that. Trying to hide from Saul who wants his life. And while he's there, he's recognized and he's taken captive by the Philistines. So it's so fitting the beginning of his the beginning of his sermon, or his psalm, his prayer, whenever he looks and says, God, be gracious to me, for all day long man tramples on me. One circumstance after another, David gets punched in the mouth again and again. He, he's going just for some relief, just for a chance to get away from everything, and he can't get away from everything. He's stuck where he is. And yet... I put this for our key truth, regardless of what our circumstance is. It is God who takes us to it, and it is God who brings us through it. That God is here. When David didn't know what to do, God was with David. Another psalm came out of this encounter. We read it this morning, Psalm 34, after David's deliverance from this. But this was this was his time in, in Gath. And it was a scary and an uncertain time for him of what was going to happen with his life. What had he gone and done and screwed up now for this to be coming to his doorstep? And yet God delivered him. Um, so yeah, at Psalm 56 he says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long. For many attack me proudly. But when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Verses 1 through 4. And for our first point, but that we do have things to fear. This has been something we've talked about as elders planning this this series of anxiety. The Bible never removes us from reality. There's not some special high that you get on and, and you just aren't connected to any troubles or you don't see any hardship. The Bible is very grounded and you do have things to fear. And it's by God's grace even that we fear. I put for our, the first point A, it's everybody's favorite song, but "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." We We are given... Fear, we are given logic and understanding and prudence for a reason. Some scriptures I have to follow that. Proverbs twenty-one sixteen says, One who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. And O simple ones, learn prudence. And O fools, learn sense. In verse 12, Proverbs eight twelve says, I wisdom dwell with prudence and I find knowledge. 
and discretion. God gives us sense. We have things to fear. There's a reason you don't jump into fire. You have sense. There's a show that I can't even mention the name of it, but used to be on MTV when I was a kid where these people would deliberately remove themselves from sense. For Some of you are laughing because you've seen the show. They would deliberately put themselves into position time and time again to, to hurt or torment themselves with the removal of good sense. And God in his grace has kept those people alive. I saw on a billboard that they're putting out, I think it's the fourth movie that's supposed to be released in the next year or two, I don't know. But we're given sense. We're given things to fear. That's a grace of God. You know, to take precaution, to, to examine a situation, to think things through. Those are, those are graces of God that we have. And then the, the finishing line of that lyric from Amazing Grace that we sung this morning says, but grace our fears relieved. That we have things to fear and yet God has given us a spirit that we don't have to be afraid. The Bible has taught us there are things to be afraid of, and yet God has given us peace from that because He's overcome the world. Proverbs 9 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And in Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13, What is wisdom and fear? And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and to keep the commands and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Grace has relieved our fears. But I think the overall arching theme of that is, is what I put for C, that the fear of God puts all other fears into perspective. That I don't I don't wander anxiously, I don't play in my imagination with fear because those who fear the Lord have no lack, as he said in Psalm thirty four. That the fear of God puts those things into perspective. See, the difference in fear and anxiety is not that there's a calculated risk and I take precautions to stop that, but anxiety is taking fear and putting it in the place of God to where it controls your life, where it decides what you do, not in a, not in a productive way, not in a way the, of rerouting, but of just being still, of being stuck and frozen in position. Anxiety is a crippling thing, and the fear of the Lord puts that into perspective. And knocks anxiety off of his throne. Matthew ten twenty eight through 31 says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore... You are of more value than many sparrows. The fear of the Lord puts that into perspective. Our second point on the outline is that our schemes can never deliver. 
They weren't meant to deliver. We can't do or work or make things different because we try and plan. That was David's idea in running to Gath. He just had to go somewhere. He didn't know where he was going, but he had to go somewhere because he had to get away from Saul. And so David ran. Now you see David acting faithfully. If you remember the story about when uh, when Saul goes in to relieve himself in the cave with David, and David's hiding in there, and doesn't Saul doesn't know he's there, and and David could have killed him, and yet David cuts off a piece of his robe because David was trusting in God at that point. It wasn't his own plan. It wasn't his own scheme that he was coming up with. He he knew the Lord protected me all this time from Saul. So I'm going to show Saul, I could have killed you, but I'm not going to kill one of God's anointed. I'm going to let God deal with you justly and not try to take it into my own hands. But we don't see David doing that here. We see David running, David trusting his own schemes, and it finds him in just another trap in another area. This was one place David would actually play crazy and and uh, said it would let spit run down his beard and he would mark on the doors. I don't know what that means or what he marked with, but he played crazy to the point that the king said, why would you bring me another madman? Have we not crazy people in our own nation? Just get him out of here. And that that was finally what drove him, what got him out of that situation. But David's own schemes could never deliver him. Psalm eighty nine forty eight says, What man can live and never see death? And who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? David was in the power of Sheol. I'm sure he felt that way. Sitting in a Philistine prison with Saul hunting his tail. But, but God delivers. Man's schemes can never deliver. And then Hebrews nine twenty seven. This is a memory verse. If you take your our two seven courses, we're hoping to have those maybe in January if we can get things together. But uh, this is one of the memory verses. It says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Man's day is appointed. Man's days are numbered. It's appointed for him to die once. We need not be anxious. The the time will come, but. The time doesn't come until the Lord says that's okay. Our schemes, who by worrying can add a single second to his life, the scripture says. This is a, I'm learning more about my, I'll share a little bit about this while I'm thinking about it. I'm learning more about my grandparents and great grandparents just randomly through stories uh, that my grandparents and parents tell me. But one of them I never got to meet, who I'm named after. Uh, Bob Oldham was his name. I don't know if any of you all knew him or not. Had heart trouble, and he died of a heart attack at a pretty young age before I was born. But he used to quote this verse after his first heart attack. They wanted him to go heart healthy, and he was a farmer, and they wanted him to stay home. And his wife, Christine, would would want him to stay at the house and not go out and, and work the fields and check the cows and all of that. And he, he used to say, Christine, it's appointed for man to die once. Don't make me sit here and die a thousand deaths before that time. That anxiety doesn't have to run his life. His time was appointed. And when that time came, God took him home. That's what happens. Our schemes can never deliver us. And then finally, this is a long one, but I love this. It was so encouraging from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 1 and 2. It says, Thus says the Lord... 
Where is your mother's certificate of divorce which, with which I sent her away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities you were sold, and for your transgressions your mother was sent away. Why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, by my rebuke I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a desert, and their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. God is the one who delivers. Man's schemes can't deliver, but when God is ready to deliver you, He will do so. Israel was in the desert or was in the desert 40 years. Israel was in slavery 400 years. And yet, when it was God's time, they walked out to the glory of His name and to the witness of the whole world as God systematically destroyed the largest world power ever known to man in Egypt at that time and crushed their army in the bottom of a sea. When God's ready to deliver you, God will deliver you. His hand is not short to save. And yet we do, just like our our uh, examples here of Israel in the Old Testament, and just like all of mankind since the fall of man has done, we turn to idols and we turn to things that cannot save. I, I put this last night. When we put our trust in worldly things or ideas, we put our faith in gods that have eyes but can't see and ears but can't hear. We fall into the same traps and become like them in all we do. Our tendency is idolatry as sinners. And its end is always destruction. We make, sin, we make idols out of anything. We trust whatever we can except the Lord. We always run to something else to, to put our trust in instead of God. I even think there's a, there's a passage of Scripture Jesus always... Uh, Jesus said that I've always shared and seems way out of context whenever I hear someone preach through it. But talks about, Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And so I hear preachers all the time and, and congregations all the time that'll say, well, was is it, you know, how small is my faith? If, if I don't have, I can't move a mountain, so do I have a mustard seed? Do I, how small is my faith that I can't, I can't move mountains or perform miracles because it's all about this measure of faith. We're trusting in faith. The mustard seed has nothing to do with it. Jesus is, as he tells Nicodemus, I'm telling you physical things so that you'll understand spiritual things. There are people with much larger sizes of faith than a mustard seed in the Taliban today that are carrying out their convictions of terrorism on their own country. Why do they do that? Because they believe strongly and are convicted strongly by the things they believe. But their faith is in something dead. Will it deliver them? No. Faith in Muhammad is still faith in a dead man. Faith in Buddha is still faith in a dead man. You can have a mountain of faith in Islam and still die and go to hell. Because it's not the mustard seed of faith that happens. Faith isn't based on how much of it there is. Faith is based on its object. And if the people of Israel, when they stood at the Red Sea with the, 
with the army of Egypt pressing down on them, had called out to Ra or Nesput or any of those other idols they had made for Egypt with all the faith that they had in their hearts. They'd been slain in a bloodbath or drowned in a lake. But it didn't take that. It took God doing the work. Faith is its object. If you have faith in faith, you have faith in nothing. If you have faith in anything other than the Scriptures revealed to us, you have faith in nothing. Faith the size of a mustard seed in God delivers because God moves mountains, not men. That's who we trust in. We trust in God. And that's our final point. We trust in God. His hand is not short to deliver. He delivers. We trust in God for everything. Because we know He delivers. We've seen it happen time and again. So I put, we trust in God for our circumstance. We forget in our circumstance. We do like Peter when he stepped out of the boat and we see the waves crashing and we take our eyes off of him and then we think we're going to sink because we're trusting our own feet and not the power of God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is another memory verse from our 2-7 courses, but it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. God makes straight your paths. God will guide you through your circumstances. David was still anointed king of Israel and David died an old man. He was delivered from Gath because God will ordain your circumstance and has ordained your circumstance. Also, we trust in God for our government. We always turn to politics as an idol that we we look to it as if we get the right guy in, then we're going to be okay. We've been getting right and wrong guys in for 200 years and we've not ever been okay, but we're okay. We trust in God for our government. The truth is, He's the one who appoints kings. Whether you think this year's election was rigged or not, or last year, however all the days run together anymore. But whether you think it was rigged or not, I'll tell you, it was rigged. God decided who would be in office. And He's not a moral man, but God decided who will be in office. Daniel 2.21 says, He changes times and seasons. He removes kings And he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. And then Proverbs 21.1, let this be a reminder of what you should do for your governing officials. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. And he turns it wherever he will. God has governments, God has kingdoms and leaders set aside for his own purpose that His name would be glorified and that He would be lifted up among all nations. We don't know how that works out. We don't know what that means. But that's why we're on point three here. We trust in God that He knows what that means. That God is doing something you don't see and you don't understand. And as He told Habakkuk, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. God does great and amazing things. And we trust in God for our fear of man. This is one we all struggle with. We all have fear of man. We all try to think of what others would think about us. We all try to think of what our circumstances might, what we can change or what we can hide because we don't want people to be upset or to see how we really are or 
or we were afraid that people could harm us. We were afraid of man in many ways. And yet Hebrews thirteen six echoes what Psalm 56 here was echoing in verse 3 and 4. We can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear for what can man do to me. Man, man can kill you. We've seen that many a time. We've seen that with Paul. As he says, we're like lambs led to the slaughter all day long. We're always struggling. Everybody goes, Paul, it's obvious what man can do to you. Man can kill you. But, but when Paul died, Paul won. Paul got to see the victory. And he was ready to be poured out as a drink offering for them. This was, this was good and a blessing to suffer for the sake of Christ. Man can do nothing to the man who fears God. Even though he take his life, he can't do anything to him. He's untouchable. And D, it's because God has delivered us. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He... He is the one who delivers. He is the one who saves. His hand is not short in saving, and on His time it will be so. I wanted to read also from Isaiah. This would be Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7 says, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba as in exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring to the east and from the west I will gather you up. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God is our only Savior. And He likes to do it. He's rich in a mercy and abounding in steadfast love. It's a work that He enjoys. He enjoys saving you. He enjoys you because you are His. Be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We aren't anxious for anything because God's bigger than everything. And He is for you. If He is for you, who can be against you? God is with you. Those of you who believe, those of you who haven't believe, believed, who haven't understood, I'm going to, for all my hard work this week, I'm going to treat myself a little bit. Most of the time I play guitar and I sing at invitation. Uh, and I miss out on a blessing with some of you 
that I, I don't get to pray with you like I would like to. Um, so for this invitation, I do want to to pray with you. Carrie and Andrew are gonna are gonna play, and uh, when they're done, they're gonna dismiss us in prayer and whatever you want to do from then. I've got all day, but I want to pray with you because I can't I can't fix what's wrong in your life. All I want to do is be there to cry out with you to the one who does fix. The one whose arm is not short to save. And for those of you who haven't understood the gospel, I do want to want to share that with you. If you want to talk with me about it, I would love to talk with you about it. We can go into Sunday school hour. It doesn't bother me. But you need to know that there is a God in this universe who loves you in spite of your sinful wickedness and who sees you for who you are and yet He changes your heart. He washes you with the blood of His Son who conquered sin, living the perfect life, who was crucified on the cross, a death that you deserved, and was raised from the dead on the third day, conquering death, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and He has sent the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and your heart, to make the Scriptures alive to you, and to seal you for the day of His return, that all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love for you to see the glory and the power of God. And the fact that He can make dry bones and wicked sinners come to life. So, with that, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, We're going to do Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. I put the wrong song in there, Ken, but it's up there in the list. And we'll... uh, I'll be down here. Deacons also, and Andy, since it's just me, uh, if you all would come forward too, in case anybody needs to pray. Or wants to pray with somebody. If you need me, I want to be here. Uh, So let's pray and then we'll start this song. And and when it's done, y'all can be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. You are a God who loves to make promises. You are a God who loves to deliver on your promises. God, I thank you for delivering me. I thank you for thinking of me long before I thought of you. God, I pray if there's any here who does not know you, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. God, we know there's nothing special about invitations or or praying with a, a pastor or anything like that. God, but we just... Want to be here and available to minister to the people, Lord. And we just pray that you would be here in this time. That you would be glorified in all of this. God, we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.